0: Kane was there. Kane was there too. Yeah. No enhancement needed. This thing Monday Night Raw! This mic is It's Wrestle Rant Radio. And We're back folks right here in Wrestle Rant Radio for September 8th, 2016. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. And it feels so weird to be back here on my college campus, senior year of college, which blows my mind because it feels like just yesterday I got here. And I'm thinking, you know what? I should do a radio show called Wrestle Radio. Here we are, three years later. The show is still in existence, all thanks to you guys and your amazing support. Um, it's crazy to think it's been that long. But it's even weirder that I'm back here on my college campus and I'm doing the show without RJ. So I did the show last semester, my previous semester in the spring of 2016. Without RJ some weeks, because he was off on internship, and now I'm in that position. I'm in that position now. I'm doing an internship, or I will be starting an internship here at my, uh, at my college pretty soon. But it's just weird. He's not here. He graduated. We had the whole final farewell back in May, and he hasn't been on the show since. We had him on the phone in late May to discuss Extreme Rules, which we were both at together, but hopefully we will get him on the show at some point in the near future, probably after Hell in a Cell, which I don't know if I reveal here on the show yet. But we will be going, RJ got us tickets, and we will be going the day before Halloween, my favorite day of the year, I fucking love Halloween, Halloween will actually be on a Monday this year, and Raw will be on Halloween, of course, and it's in Connecticut, but I can't go because I'm here at school in Massachusetts, whatever, but um, at least I will be at Hell in a Cell, which is even probably even more important, uh, so I can't wait for that, and uh, maybe we get RJ on the show at that point to discuss all things Hell in a Cell. But in the meantime, and in between time, though, we're going to be kicking off the Go to Hell Tour with Mr. Marceau in the next month and a half. I can't wait to be at Hell in a Cell. But in the meantime, we have so many exciting things coming up. I'll definitely be at two wrestling shows this month. Tomorrow, September 9th, with at Zach Donegan on the Twitter. We went to Chaotic Wrestling back in April. We'll be back tomorrow in Lowell, Massachusetts to meet Rob Van Dam, Cody Rhodes, Ron Simmons we talked to back in April, but he'll be there again. Austin Aries is going to be there, Tommaso Ciampa, Rhino, Johnny Gargano. It's a who's who, and I cannot wait to be there to hopefully meet a lot of those guys, if not all of them. Uh, We'll see what my wallet's looking like at that point. (laughs) After even getting there, it's just a a hell of a ride just to get there. But still, it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to that. And even after that, I will be available on September 30th for Ring of Honor All-Star Extravaganza. I don't know what number it is, but that pay-per-view is going also in Lowell, the same exact city, Um, In a couple more weeks, which I cannot wait to be at, if only because it is my first ever Ring of Honor show. And that itself, that in and of itself is very exciting. Um, They just announced this past week on the show, it will be a triple threat tag team ladder match for the world tag team titles. The Addiction versus Motor City Machine Guns versus the fucking Young Bucks. That's going to be insane. I cannot wait for that. So. September is already off to a strong start. Uh, looking forward to talking everything Backlash, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Cruiserweight Classic, and maybe even some UFC 203 here in the show today. Um, some brief plugs, though, before we get started. So, as always, be sure to check out my appearance on the Cruise Control Podcast alongside at Cruz on the Twitter. As always, I've been on the show... Pretty much on a weekly basis for the past two months and now, and it's been a blast. Uh, Randy's always awesome, always enjoy being on a show. So, check out the latest episode where we give our thoughts in preview backlash, but we also give our thoughts on Raw and SmackDown and everything else, WWE, as we will be doing here today, with a bit more extra analysis. And also, that being said, be sure to check out all my latest articles for Bleacher Report, What Culture, Hidden Remote, Sports Key a lot of articles going up in the last couple of days, and even more to come in the year and in, in the years, also the years, but. Specifically in the days to come, um, en route to Backlash on Sunday, which I cannot wait for. So, speaking of Backlash, the pay per view is this Sunday, WWE's first ever Backlash pay per view. In how many years has it been? Uh, wow, seven years, I think, since 2009, which was also a really good show. RJ and I actually rewatched that show. We rewatched the show on the WWE Network earlier this year on like the seven year anniversary because I'm just a dork like that. And he was also at that show, so we enjoyed rewatching it, but I might rewatch it again. And that was before they even announced Backlash was coming back. So now that Backlash is back, I need to now rewatch that show with more of a purpose. So that being said, I look forward to watching that and watching Backlash on Sunday, this year's installment, which should be pretty great. So, like I said, we will be previewing Backlash on the show here today um, after our Raw reviews and other reviews of SmackDown, NXT, and the Cruiserweight Classic. But uh, even before we get into all of that stuff, I do want to give my two thoughts, my two cents, and my thoughts on CM Punk's impending UFC 203 debut. Happy for the guy. I've always been a CM Punk fan. Um, I'm not one of those people. Obviously, being a fan of his that doesn't want to see him get his ass beat. That being said, I don't think he's winning against Mickey Gall on Saturday. He very well might. Who knows? And I hope he does. At the end of the day, regardless of whether he wants to admit it or not, he's still a representative wrestling. And being in WWE... For over a decade, how can you not be a representative of wrestling? You know, intentionally or unintentionally, whether he likes it or not, obviously he doesn't like it because he wants nothing to do with WWE right now. He's got the whole lawsuit going on, all that other bullshit. But uh, regardless, um, he he still has the fight on Saturday in the same exact city. Not even that, the same exact building where he walked out on Vince McMahon almost three years ago, which is also uh, a real, you know, uh, twist of fate. You know, a a turn of events, uh, a shocking turn of events. A real poetic justice, in my opinion. We'll see if he wins on Saturday. I don't think he will, but I'm still looking forward to it. I have thoroughly enjoyed the uh, videos that they've been putting out for him, this little mini-series they've been doing on him, this mini-documentary, The Evolution of Punk, Parts 1 through 4. I I had Fox Sports 1 back at my house before I came here. I did not watch it or record it on Monday, but I did watch it yesterday. You can check out all the episodes. They're all on YouTube. I think on UFC's official... Um, subscription page, all on their official YouTube page, if you want to check it out, and maybe on other channels, I don't know, but I've been watching it through YouTube, and it's a pretty good show, he doesn't look all that confident that he's going to do well on Saturday, so I hope I'm wrong and he wins, we'll see, Mickey Gall is no joke, I mean, he's, he's a relatively inexperienced rookie, but so is CM Punk, the guy's also 10 years younger, and his body isn't beat up from wrestling, like CM Punk's is, so, We'll see how he does on Saturday. I will be watching. Um, I will be free Saturday to watch UFC 203 at Buffalo Wild Wings, which was the initial plan to watch UFC 200 with John a couple months ago. We still watched Lesnar's fight anyway back at his house, but we went to Buffalo Wild Wings a lot later than we should have, and we got there not right before the fight, but about an hour before the fight maybe, or not even, like a half hour, 45 minutes, or whatever, and it was fucking packed. So I'm hoping to not make that same mistake on Saturday. Um, just because I do want to get a, a front row seat at Buffalo Wild Wings at our local mall to uh, watch the fight and watch the entire show. I'm a, I'm a casual UFC fan at best and I do enjoy their shows. So I'm looking forward to watching that on Saturday with my $30 gift certificate to Buffalo Wild Wings. What a, what a great gift that was my birthday a couple months ago and what a, it's going to come in handy on Saturday for sure. So uh, anyway, moving along here, Monday Night Raw. So I don't know how much time I'll spend on each show. We'll really just kind of figure it out as we go along. I might spend a while on one show, not so much on the other. Um, NXT I do want to talk about because that was a really good show this week in Cruiserweight Classic as well and a bit of a preview and predictions for next week's season finale. Uh, We will not be doing a show before that finale, so I look forward to talking about that. Oh, and also, too, I forgot to mention this at the start of the show, too. This is my other, you know, my cheap plug I forgot to mention. Uh, WWE EC Radio, the show that I did with uh, Tommy Sharp. Great guy. We had a great thing going earlier on this year with the show. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. So we had to take a break, obviously, and leaving campus. And that's not one of the type of shows where we do it together. I don't do it by myself. So we did a SmackDown preview on the show, NXT review, and all this other kind of stuff. Pay-per-view reviews and previews and whatever else. Uh, We will be bringing that back in the next couple weeks. Probably next week, not this week. So just stay out on the lookout on my social media pages for more. On that, on the return of the show, which should be in the next few weeks. I look forward to uh, talking all things wrestling with Tommy as well on at WWEC Radio, so look forward to that. But anyway, uh, Raw on Monday night, I thought it was an alright show. Um, not a great show, not a terrible show. The last hour and a half fell off a fucking cliff. But before that, it was a pretty decent show. We kicked off to Raw, or should I say the Kevin Owens show on Monday night with uh, Kevin Owens' WWE Universal Championship Coronation, which was so good uh KO is just killing it right now and what i like about the KO character what about what i love about Kevin Owens' character right now that he wasn't really doing before he's always had he's always been an amazing heel obviously but he's been doing this more recently in that he turns the crowd against them in the past whenever he's done something that was like endearing to the fans or like the hardcore fans it's something that i would laugh at he would always kind of embrace it and just leave it at that now as we saw on monday he took the You deserve a chance that we heard last Monday after he won the championship. And he turned it on the crowd again. He was saying, of course I deserve it. You people shouldn't be cheering me. You're all blah, blah, blah. It was a great promo and it showed great fire from Kevin Owens. And speaking of great fire, uh, that's exactly what Seth Rollins showed when he came out as well. Uh, Seth Rollins is basically the same guy that he was a week ago. Basically the same heel that he's always been. But now the crowd loves him. And I think that might be the best role for him. And I really, I, I didn't really think that would work before. Like, if you asked me two weeks ago, even a couple months ago, whatever, that if Rollins was to go babyface, he should be, you know, an exact, a, a complete 180 from what he is right now. As an, instead of a total, you know, dickhead, he's a, an endearing babyface. He's a lovable. He's, chari- you know, he's already charismatic. But you know what I mean, though? Like the cookie cutter babyface. But I think it actually makes even more sense to keep him in the role that he's always been in, but now they're acknowledging the cheers and they're letting the fans cheer him. I think that's great because he should be a babyface. He looks like he is a babyface in this feud with Kevin Owens and it should stay that way. But I like the fact that he's kind of the same dickish heel that he was before, but now the crowd just loves him and that was evident during his match with Chris Jericho later on in the night. Um, But as far as this goes, I thought this was really good. I love the fact that we have this mystery surrounding whether Stephanie's telling the truth or not in regards to whether she's in cahoots with Triple H. Um, It's a really good dynamic. I think they have a great thing going here and have a lot of potential. As long as it wasn't revealed that Triple H texted himself, (laughs) as long as it wasn't revealed that Triple H texted himself, you know, a la Kevin Nash from 2011, five years ago, in that horribly executed Punk, Triple H, Kevin Ash, Bermuda Triangle, awful storyline that ultimately went nowhere. As long as they don't fuck up that badly with this feud, I'm completely content with it. So, so far, so good. I thought this was a really good way of opening the show. After that, our opening match, Bailey taking on Charlotte. No, I did not misspeak there. We actually had Bailey and Charlotte on Raw, which, so here's the thing. The match was really good. Bailey's really over. But I just don't understand why they needed to do the match, their their first ever main roster match, and Bailey's third match as part of the Raw roster. Why? What's the rush? It's not, I don't want to say it's like the biggest match they could possibly do right now with the women on Raw, but it's still a pretty big match. This is a future pay-per-view matchup that they could do, Bailey and Charlotte. And I'll get to what the actual pay-per-view match is for Clash of Champions in, in a few minutes when we talk about Sasha's segment at the end of the show. Um, again, I thought it was a good match. Obviously, they have great chemistry with each other. I don't know what's going on with Dana Brooke right now and her. Uh, and, you know, she sucks, obviously, and Charlotte's getting pissed at her, but they're still on good terms, not really. But they're still an item. I'm not exactly sure what the hell's going on there with Charlotte and Dan- <clears throat> with Charlotte and Dana Brooke. But as far as this match goes, again, I thought it was really well wrestled. But why? Not that it, why was was it well wrestled, but why did they do the match? At least at this point in time, I think they could have really benefited from holding out the match a few months down the line, even a few weeks later. Just build it up. Just throwing it on Raw without any prior advertisement, without any prior build, just to me makes very little sense. Like, why the fuck would you do that? It's throwing away a potential big match that you can have later on down the road. So I thought that was silly. Um, Bailey won too clean. So again, I'm thinking, okay... I'm not really a huge fan of this, but if they have this be the way that if you beat the champions, she gets a title shot at Clash of Champions, I'm okay with that. But that wasn't even the case, and I'll talk about that again during Sasha's segment later on, which I thought was just so mind-boggling. After that, we had Bo Dallas back in action for the first time since he was arrested, apparently, reportedly. Uh, beating Kyle Roberts, an uh, enhancement talent on Monday Night Raw, one of the local athletes, whatever, same same jobber-esque guy that Strowman has been beating up for weeks now. Um, so I like Bo Dallas. He's really entertaining. I had no idea that you had to get drunk on an airplane and sing Lion King tales, sing Lion King tunes um, on an airplane and get intoxicated in order to get yourself a push. If that was the case, the entire roster should be doing just that, singing... You know, fucking Hakuna Matata on the airplane and just getting drunk and wasted. But anyway, work worked for Bo Dallas apparently because after being quote-unquote punished, he was back on Raw this week for the first time since the brand split and won his first match, beating an enhancement talent. So I don't know if this is leading to him getting buried by Braun Strowman or what this is leading to, but I'm kind of intrigued just because... And we've talked about this before. I, I've talked about this before. I know I talked about this with Jason a while ago, my buddy Jason... Um, but even just recently, we were talking about how how great Bo Dallas was when they brought him up to the main roster about two, two and a half years ago. And they went nowhere with him. They did nothing with the guy. He had that, you know, like 21 and Bo undefeated streak, which was classic. But they had him lose to R-Truth one week, and that was the end of it. He has not been pushed since. So I like the new aggressive edge in Bo Dallas, but I feel like I've seen this before. Not to say that's what they shouldn't be doing with him, but I feel like I've seen this before where Bo Dallas you know, starts to develop a more aggressive edge to his character, but it ultimately goes nowhere and he's back to jobbing and he's back to doing nothing a week later. So I hope this sticks. The guy's really good. He can be really entertaining if they give him the, the chance to shine. So here's hoping it works out for the guy because, like I said, I feel like they really dropped the ball on him two years ago. He was great in the Social Outcast, but I feel like real, really Bo Dallas was the best part about that entire group, other than Slater. Adam Rose sucked. Curtis Axel was boring as fuck. Uh, Bo, Dallas is, Bo Dallas is someone they can really do something with. Maybe not obviously a future world champion, but I think if you build him up enough, he could be a real solid mid-card guy. So here's hoping this actually leads somewhere in the future. After that, a really, really good match between Seth Rollins and Chris Jericho. Not their first time ever. Uh, not th- Not the first time ever encounter between these two. They did have a match. I think about two years ago, right when Jericho was doing the whole feud with Bray Wyatt, he was back to do that. They had a really good match on Raw one week. And uh, this was really good. I thought the dynamic was switched this time around, though. Jericho was the heel, and Rollins, obviously, like the the tweener, babyface, antihero, whatever... Um, I thought that role worked very well for him. I thought it was a great role for him. So the match was great. They had that awesome dynamic there, as they mentioned. Some uh, really exciting action. The ending outcome was never really in doubt, but it never needed to be. It was just a great showcase for both guys, and Jericho has been really ripping it up this entire run. And like I've said before, I might have mentioned this last week, that Jericho does not lose too often. You know, I feel like he, he puts over people when he needs to, but... Look at all the people that he's beaten so far in this run since he's been back. He's beaten Cesaro. He's beaten Sami Zayn. He beat AJ Styles, for God's sakes, at WrestleMania. He beat Dean Ambrose. And, you know, he's, he scored all these victories. So a win over Jericho doesn't mean nothing anymore. It actually means something because he has some credibility since coming back. So, again, really good match. Rollins wins. After that, the match three in the best of seven series between Sheamus and Cesaro. Another good match, and I continue to appreciate how they're switching up the story Every week they face off. That it's not the same match every single week, which was I was afraid of when this thing whole this, The first thing, when this thing first started, excuse me, I thought um, they would just repeat the same match over and over and over again. And don't get me wrong, they have great chemistry, but you can only watch the match a match so many times before you start to get bored. So I'm glad they're switching up the story with Sheamus focusing on Cesaro's various injuries whether it be the back injury, the shoulder injury that's been injured for like a fucking year at this point. I don't know if that thing's ever going to heal. But um, again, really good match. Sheamus wins again. And they're not burying the guy, people. They are not burying Cesaro. Uh, they're actually telling what I think is a really good story with this guy in this best-of-seven series. He's down 0-3, and I just got finished watching some Armageddon pay-per-view. I think it was from o five 5 or o six. 6 I'm pretty sure it's Mofi, but they had a best-of-seven series a little over a decade ago with Booker T and Benoit over the United States Championship. And it, it, it's great they're finally doing that with Sheamus and Cesaro just because I feel like there's any two guys on the roster right now that could have many matches, and when they switch up the story and we're not getting bored of it, it's these guys. They have amazing chemistry. Always match The matches are always really, really good. This was no exception. Again, I appreciate how they switched up the story here to make sure it was kind of something refreshing compared to last week. So Sheamus wins again. He goes 3-0. Um, and And uh, Cesaro ended up bouncing back, scoring his first fall in the Best of Seven series at a live event on Wednesday this week in London, which I thought was great. The footage is up on YouTube. So I think I talked about this um, when the whole thing first started, was announced about a month ago, that I really hope that they would further the Best of Seven series on house shows because it makes the house shows feel that much more meaningful. They're promoting house shows, it's like, oh, man, I, can't, I need to go to the show in order to see if Cesaro is going to bounce back or not. And it's not any ordinary best-of-seven series match. It's a match where if Cesaro lost, Sheamus would have won the whole thing, and it's over. It would have been a clean sweep. So, thankfully, that was not the case. Cesaro got his win back on Wednesday after a good match uh, with, with Sheamus on Monday. So, I'm, liking, I'm really liking what they're doing with these two guys right now. After that, we had Enzo Amore and Big Cass taking on the Shining Stars, and the Shining Stars fucking won. Why? Really, why? I ask you. I mean, I could see, maybe, maybe I could see them doing a feud between the two teams, but who the fuck cares about the Shining Stars? They're not bad wrestlers, but their characters are awful. They're awful. I cannot just bring myself to boo these guys. I just can't bring myself to fucking care. There is no reason to care about these guys. Been there, done that with them many times before in the past five years. I just I just can't bring myself to care. So again, I love Enzo, and worse yet, Enzo and Cass lost. I think they're only their second standard tag team match and coming to the main roster right after WrestleMania. So again, the match was whatever. The Shining Stars won clean. Um, just a hell of an upset, and I just I don't know why they're doing this. Maybe they're gonna have a rematch at the pay per view. Who cares? Again, I like Enzo and Cass. At least they'd be getting them on the show, which is all right. But just I just I just don't care. I really don't care. Enzo and Cass deserve so much better than this. After that, we had Nia Jax taking on Ann Esposito who we found out was a good friend of Alicia Fox. Made quick work of her and I was very happy to see this lead where I thought it would lead with um, Alicia Fox encountering uh, Nia Jax backstage. Kind of a weird backstage segment because Alicia Fox legitimately hit Nia by accident with like a box that was on a catering table or whatever the hell it was, a makeup table and Nia Jax this. Threw her against the wall, which I'm sure was the plan anyway, but she just threw her right against the wall, which was great. And Alicia Fox was back to acting crazy. Or push, not through her, whatever. Same difference when you're Nia Jax. But regardless, though, I'm liking the fact that they're finally starting to transition Nia into a feud with an established star. I mean, Alicia Fox isn't great, but she is established. She's been here for almost a decade at this point, so she has credibility as a former Divas champion. Not for very long, but she does believe it or not, and uh, anything to get us away from squash match city with Nia Jax every single week and really to start to transition her into a real rivalry, then I'm all for it. After that, we had by far, and like I said earlier, this was, the second half of the show was abysmal, but this was by far the worst piece of shit on this entire show and one of the biggest atrocities in recent Raw history. So we had the club come out And as you guys, as you guys probably know by this point, I've talked about it a few times, and I wrote a whole article about it in Hidden Remote this past week. If you want to check it out, but I have not been a fan of this feud since it started. I like the idea of a Club and New Day feud when they first attacked New Day on that amazing Raw right after Battleground, but everything since then has just been. I don't. I don't fucking care. I really don't fucking care. Especially because the comedy is awful. The comedy is terrible. And I know it's not these guys writing what they're saying, just because Anderson and Gallows, if you have seen them in New Japan, listen to their podcast, they were on Talk as Jericho uh, a few weeks ago, I think, and they had a really entertaining conversation with Jericho, literally about nothing. They just had a really entertaining hour. I don't even know what to call it, conversation, I guess? They weren't really talking about anything. It really wasn't an interview. It was just, they were they were just kind of shooting the breeze on random shit, and it was hell of an entertaining, so... Again, these guys can be funny when they want to, um, but the comedy and the lines and what's being scripted for them right now is fucking abysmal. It is absolutely awful. And I just can't bring myself to laugh or care or what. I really don't know what to do. And I was watching Raw with a non-wrestling fan, someone that used to be a fan many years ago, but someone that is not a fan anymore. And she asked me when we were watching Raw on Monday, she goes, I thought this was supposed to be wrestling, and I said, truer words have never been spoken." And I feel like that's one of those segments where you're embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. And I don't know, dude. I just don't know what it is. I don't know why these two teams just aren't clicking. The matches have not been good. Um, They haven't been bad, but they're just nothing special. And the comedy's unbearably bad. It is just absolutely unbearably bad. They need to end this shit ASAP. Um, we have two more weeks of it, unfortunately, just because they will be facing off at Clash of Champions for the WWE Tag Team titles, but the whole old day stuff, no one got a joke, and no one got a kick out of that, other than probably Vince McMahon, but besides him, just people sat on their hands, and New Day, I don't know if their comedy is finally starting to jump the shark, I've always thought they were hilarious, and I didn't really believe, you know, peop- I didn't really agree with people when they said a few months ago that, oh, their comedy's growing stale, they're a stale act, and... Maybe a little bit of that period in time having been tag team champions for almost a year and now over a year at this point. But now I'm starting to see what those critics were saying, what they were talking about, just because their comedy on this show was downright deplorable. Downright deplorable. And they need to end this ASAP. I don't care who the tag team titles go to at this point. I could not care less about the tag team championships at this point in time. As long as this feud ends come Clash of Champions, that's all I'm content with. After that, we had Darren Young versus Jinder Mahal. In a brief squash match, again, same story, different match. No one fucking cared. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says then, where that's every Raw that I go to. No one fucking cares. Uh, just because this whole Darren Young and Tedis O'Neill feud has been a massive train wreck. I like O'Neal. I like Young, too. They're both good single stars. But O'Neal as a heel just does not work. It never has worked, and it never will work. Just because his mic skills suck. He's got this great presence about him. He's a really good dad. Um, He he does a lot of charity stuff. He's a, a genuinely really good person. So why would you fuck that up by turning the guy heel? I feel like Darren Young, if anything, should have been the one to go heel. And then maybe you just... If anything, if it was up to me, I would just reunite the primetime players. I feel like that's a better use of both guys. Put them in the tag team division, which is lacking anyway on, on both brands, really. But they need more tag teams. It would be better than what they're doing with them right now, which is really nothing other than feuding with each other, which has been pretty much pointless. No one's really getting any anything out of this feud whatsoever. I don't feel like Darren Young is any more credible than he was two months ago. Um, I feel like if anything, he's downgraded. He's gone from you know getting some reactions and some chance going for him right before Battleground. But it's been all downhill ever since that whole Miz segment on Raw, just or the the Miz match of Battleground that really was pretty disappointing. Ever since that, the guy has yet to recover. O'Neill has been what a year this has been for this guy. What what a year this you know 2016 has been for Titus O'Neill. Starting at the year pretty nicely, picking up some wins here and there, pretty much beating you know Stardust every week, squashing him every week. But for what it was, he was winning matches, and then he gets suspended. And then he comes back, does nothing, feuds with Rusev, loses the feud to Rusev, does not win the U.S. Championship, turns heel, and has one of the worst heel runs in recent memory. This has just been ungodly boring. So here's hoping, again, they wrap this up sooner rather than later. I'm fine with a, uh, a match between the two, a clash of champions. Just Just move the fuck on. Just move the fuck on. Because, again, I'll say it once more, no one fucking cares. Beyond that, we had Braun Strowman versus Sinkara. Alright match, Braun Strowman won via countout. So again, I'm glad that Braun Strowman is finally moving on to a legitimate competition, moving on to notable names as his opponents. So he won this match via countout, and I'm sure they will continue the feud and do another match next week. Maybe he wins via disqualification, I don't know. But uh, the match was alright, Strowman wins, moving on. After that, we had the return of Sasha Banks, the boss, to Monday Night Raw to give an update on her injury that she sustained in the hands of Charlotte at SummerSlam. And I honestly thought that she was going to be written out of storylines for a few weeks, months, whatever. Just because I really wasn't sure what to think. Because the way that she tweeted before the show, she's like, oh, I have some bad news, hashtag legit boss. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, she's probably got bad news for the roster. But even then, she sold her emotion very, very well. She faked, cried, and all this other stuff. I thought it was really well done. Uh, Apparently, the other talent did not seem to think so. There were a couple different reports that surfaced in the days that followed from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, specifically from Dave Meltzer, who is more often than not a really credible source, so I would definitely check out his stuff for, uh, for, for the best and most accurate information. But he said that there were a lot of talents backstage that night that were not fans of the promo because it mirrored Daniel Bryan's promo from earlier this year, Way too similarly, way too much, you know, way way too, uh, you know, similar to that promo and the fact that Daniel Bryan actually did have to retire. And it's different from the Mark Henry promo. Obviously, another great retirement feigned speech, the Mark Henry swerve from 2013. It's different from that because Mark Henry was going to retire in storyline because he had enough. Like, because he reached a point in his career where, where he could retire. Not because of injuries, not because of concussions and this and that. And you know what? Sasha could very well retire a lot earlier than she expects to if she keeps on taking the bumps that she does. And it's ridiculous. And I'm glad she's back. I, I'll, I'll say this first. Uh, Dana Brooke came out. She locked her in the fucking uh, bank statement. She said, I am cleared to compete and I will be a Clash of Champions to take back my title from Charlotte. So it's Sasha and Charlotte at Clash of Champions for the WWE Women's... Or sorry, not the WWE Women's, but the Raw Women's Championship uh, that has officially been changed if you check WWE.com. Um, but anyways, a, a lot of thoughts here, a lot of thoughts here. First, I'll talk about Sasha in her wrestling style. I might have mentioned this when I reviewed SummerSlam two episodes ago here on WrestleRant Radio, I'm not exactly sure. Her, Charlotte specifically, sometimes Bayley, um, but the risks these girls take in every match, not only big time matches, but every match, is fucking ridiculous. I know they want to prove it to the men, they want to prove it to the fans, I never used to care about women's wrestling, that they can go, they are capable of crazy shit, but it's not necessary, she's going to get fucking hurt, she already did get hurt, she already has back injuries, we wonder why why she's hurt all the time, why she's injury prone, it's because of shit like this, because she's doing, you know, diving through the ropes, and her head are almost, her her feet are almost touching her head, which is ridiculous, and she never happened to anyone, so again, she's got to tone it down a lot, I've seen a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the only one, I've seen a lot of people say the same thing, And John and I, when we were at SummerSlam, they had one of the best matches of the night, hands down, but I feel like they still would have had a really, really good match if Sasha didn't try to fucking kill herself in that match. Obviously not intentionally, but I'm not saying she's suicidal, obviously, but what I'm saying is that the moves that she does in the ring with Charlotte and just... It's just too much. It's too much. She she does not need to be taking as many risks as she does. Maybe once a year for WrestleMania. I get that. But doing it every single match is a bit reckless, and she's going to have her career ended a lot sooner than she expects to if she keeps up this wrestling style. So anyway, like I said, we have Sasha versus Charlotte at Clash of Champions, which I would have been fine with a month ago before Bailey got called up, and now you, you should do a triple threat. And maybe they do that at Hell in a Cell. Now I expect them to do that at Hell in a Cell. But then, again, if they thought that Sasha was going to be back, and they knew obviously as of Monday, before the show went live, that they were going to be doing Sasha and Charlotte at the pay-per-view, at the pending pay-per-view. They knew that Sasha was clear to compete. So then why the fuck would you have Bailey beat Charlotte on Raw? Why? Why would you do that? Like I said earlier when I ranted about the match, one, why would you blow it away on Raw to begin with, in a three-week build? I know they have history from NXT, blah, blah, blah. But on the main roster, bailey has been here for three weeks and she just beat the champion in a non-title match. I'm like, okay, so at least it sets up a match for the pending pay-per-view. But it didn't even do that. Because I know Sasha has a rematch, but then Bayley beat the champion team. And maybe they'll explain on Raw this week, because Sasha's promo took place before or after the fact. So I don't know. I mean, the match has already been officially announced by WWE as Charlotte versus Sasha Part 3 at at Clash of Champions. But Bayley could come out on Monday's Raw and say, hey, what the fuck, I beat the champion, where's my title shot? They could promise her a title match the next Raw, uh, on the Raw after the pay-per-view, or at Hell in the Cell. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. So, it's got to be acknowledged, because Bayley just can't be floating around. They can't bring her up with so much momentum. And the past couple of weeks for her have been a whirlwind, from the debut, to the awesome pairing with New Day, to beating the champion in a non-title match on Raw this week. It's been a great past few weeks for Bayley. you got to have her on the show somehow. If they leave her off the show altogether, I will be very disappointed. So, I'm hoping that's not the case, and she's on the show, even if she's facing Dana Brooke. At least she's on the show. She can't just beat the champion and then just not be in the pay per view. That, to me, makes very little sense. A lot of stuff on the show made very little sense. Anyway, after that, we had the main event of Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn non title matchup. An excellent match, and in other news the sky is blue. What else is new? Um, just a really good match. Obviously, these guys have tremendous chemistry with each other. But. Again, a lot like with Bailey and Charlotte, this is where I ran into the issue of, one, you build their match at Battleground no more than a month and a half ago. Not even that. A month, six, seven weeks ago, whenever the pay-per-view was. That was their final match. And we all knew deep down, fuck that. They'll face off again in the future, especially, hopefully, over a world championship. Now that Kevin Owens is a universal champion, it's very much possible. But anyway, though, um... They had that final match at Battleground, which in my opinion was one of, if not the best, main roster match of the year up to this point. And then they face off six, seven weeks later on Raw with no build whatsoever, no video packages. You know, they just kind of expect you to remember. I mean, obviously you should. It was only a month ago they were feuding. But still, I mean this is a big time match. Owens and Zayn is a match they should not abuse by doing every week. And I I like the fact that Owens' first match as champion was with Sami Zayn. It's kind of fitting in that way. Um, His first NXT appearance was with Sami Zayn. His, you know, his his first title victory was against Sami Zayn at TakeOver Rival almost two years ago, a year and a half ago. So he he has a lot of history with him, obviously, even dating back further than that on the independent scene as best friends. You know the story. So why would you just throw it out there as a random raw main event with no build, no background, no hype, no prior advertisement? Yes, they said it at the start of the show, but that's not enough. That's literally worth at least a worth weeks, uh, you know, worth a, a, you know a week's worth of build, at least a week's worth. It was ridiculous. Again, I enjoy the match; I'm not going to complain. But it's like, dude, what the fuck? Save this match for when it means something. Save it for, you know, a future pay-per-view. Like, have their first match since Zayn beat Owens be for the title, because Zayn can say, you know what, I beat you before you became champion, therefore I deserve a title shot. I'm that good. It just made no sense to do the match when Owens was still the champion in his first match as champion. Zane obviously lost there as he should have. He had a great showing. Owens scored the victory to, in a clean fashion too, which was good. Refreshing for a heel. So now comes Roman Reigns, he wants a title shot, so Mick Foley comes out and says that next week on Raw, and he thank God he didn't say the season premiere because he says that all the time, Um, he said next week on Raw it's going to be Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens. If Reigns can beat Kevin Owens, then he has a shot at the WWE Universal Championship, at Clash of Champions, he gets involved in the match with Rollins and Owens, and it's a triple threat involving Roman Reigns. Which is cool. I mean, I'm glad Roman is involved. I mean, I guess it makes sense because he did get screwed out of the championship a couple weeks ago in the four-way with Big Cass, Rollins, Owens, and, and Reigns, obviously. So he has a storyline excuse for being in the title picture. I'm hoping this is all a swerve and he doesn't win, which would be ridiculous to make Owens lose at this point as Reign, um, and then to put Reigns back in the title picture and thus give us another triple threat that we saw literally two months ago with Ambrose, Reigns, and Rollins. That would just be downright stupid. So hopefully Reigns loses. I would love to see him clean, but it's probably not the case. Best case scenario, he wins clean. Uh, at least I expect them to have Rusev come out, cost Reigns the win, further that feud. Rusev was not on Raw this week. I was shocked he wasn't on Raw at all, but then I later found out he's on his honeymoon or something with Lana, which is why he wasn't on Raw. So that explains it. Um, So hopefully we get that match at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view for the U.S. Championship, and then we can move on from there with just Owens and Rollins one-on-one, which so far has been a really good feud. Rollins has thrived as the babyface, and then we can get the, finally, the culmination of the Reigns and Rusev rivalry over the U.S. Championship at Clash of Champions. So overall, it wasn't really that bad of a show. The hour and a half that followed, the second hour and a half was Pretty deplorable. You had Darren Young's squash match, which sucked. Strowman's squash match wasn't good. The New Day stuff was surprisingly bad. You had a really good main event, though. The Shining Stars win was nothing noteworthy, but you also had Sheamus and Cesaro. You had Jericho and Rollins. You had Bailey and Charlotte, which was also a really good match. A great opener. And that awesome main event, too. So all in all, you can't really call it a bad show, which I've seen some people say that it was. Call it, Criticize that as a terrible show, which it wasn't. Um, I still remain more excited for Backlash this Sunday than to do Clash of Champions in a few more weeks. But we'll see where the build for the pay-per-view goes and how they fill out the rest of the card. So, with the time that we have left, I don't want to spend too much time on any remaining show, NXT, SmackDown, or the Cruiserweight Classic, just because I do want to preview Backlash with predictions and shit. But SmackDown, I thought on Tuesday, was the better show overall, which is typically the case. I just think SmackDown, with the two-hour format, is just a lot easier to digest wrestling-wise. The segments seem to be more concise, straightforward, effective in building whatever they need to, whether it be a match at a pay-per-view, building up some a new talent, or whatever it is. Because they don't have squash match city like they do on Raw with Strowman and Nia and whatever. They don't do that all the time, so I feel like they kind of benefit in that respect. And despite having a limited roster, I feel like they make the most of who and what they have, which I've said in the past, which I feel like is why SmackDown has been not... Not amazingly better than Raw every single week But I feel like every single time we talk about the show of the week Whether it be Raw or Smackdown I feel like Smackdown more often than not gets the nod Just because it is the better show um, More often than not But regardless, this week's show is pretty good too As the go-home show before Backlash on Sunday So we opened the show with Becky Lynch, Natalia, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, Naomi, and Nikki Bella Each of them talking about, maybe not all of them I don't think Nikki actually talked Maybe Naomi did. I don't really. I don't really remember. I know Carmella did. Alexa, Natalia, and Becky. All about why they deserve to be the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion on Sunday. All presented by Daniel Bryan, who was in the ring with them. Uh, I like this. I could not tell you the last time the women kicked off. Actually, I lied. I said in the review a couple weeks ago for Raw, or I said in that SmackDown review that I could not remember the last time a women, a woman kicked off Raw or SmackDown. And we literally just saw it like two weeks ago with Sasha. But other than that, on SmackDown anyway, I could not tell you the last time we had a women's wrestler kicking off the show. So this was refreshing. The mic work wasn't great. No one really had a blowaway promo, but it was all right, and it set up the uh, six-woman tag team match for later on in the night. After that, we had The Miz versus Apollo Crews in a SummerSlam rematch, better than their first match of the pay-per-view from last month, probably just because they were given more time. So that was to be expected. Um, Miz is on fire right now. Ever ever since the Talking Smack promo on the network, um, the promo that he cut on Daniel Bryan, the work, shoot, shoot, work, whatever the fuck you want to call it, Since he's ever really gotten that momentum, he's been on a massive roll. And I think because of that, he can't lose on Sunday, which I'll talk about more momentarily in the Backlash predictions. But the guy's been on fire. Ziggler's been doing pretty well, too. And like RJ noted in his article from my website, XR just yesterday, in his preview for Backlash, when you give people a reason to care about these two, Miz and Ziggler... All of a sudden, their matches are more meaningful. Like, people actually give a shit about Miz and Ziggler at this point. Just because we have a reason to give a... We we, we have a reason to give a shit about both guys. Um, But anyway, though. The match was good. Miz wins. I don't know if he won clean or whatever, but he won. Um, Cruz just can't buy a win to save his life. they got to find something for this guy to do. He's a great wrestler. He's got a lot of untapped potential. He just has no direction. And we were talking... Randy and I were talking a few days ago... That how the hell do you have a, a SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view and then not have guys like Cruz on it, Corbin. I'm sure Kane's going to be on it somehow. But how do you not have those young guys on the show? That, to me, just doesn't make much sense. Um, it's still a good match, and nevertheless. After that, we had that six-woman tag team match I mentioned before. Carmella, Alexa, and Natalya beating Nikki, Becky, and Naomi. Pretty good, straightforward match, heels winning. The best part about the match itself was that Carmella forced Nikki to tap out, which is something I thought we would never see. I'm pretty sure it was clean, too. And Carmella needed that win. She is infinitely better as a heel, and she, she kind of grew into the fan favorite role And when she was in NXT alongside Enzo and Cass. But other than that, she was just a better, a lot better. Like she, It felt like she was a natural heel, so it's great they finally turned her. She's finding momentum. She just forced a former Divas Champion to submit, Uh, The longest reigning Divas champion in WWE history, regrettably, but she is. Uh, Still a good match. Carmella wins. Hopefully that means one of the babyfaces goes over on Sunday. After that, we had a tag team championship tournament semifinal match of American Alpha taking on the Usos. So here is where, this is where the controversy came in. So before what happened afterwards, the match itself went all 30 seconds, which I thought was great, just because... Before all of this happened, we had American Alpha and Usos, which is the dream, not, oh, yeah, I guess you can kind of call it a dream match, dream match, money match, whatever the hell you want to call it, in the semifinals of the tournament, and I'm thinking, why though? It feels like that should have been the finals, but I'm actually kind of happy it worked out the way it did. So we have the match, it goes literally all of 30 seconds, if that, American Alpha goes over clean, place goes the nuts, everyone's shocked, American Alpha's shocked, Usos are shocked, So it saves that match that you know that they could have, that killer-ass match you know that they're capable of delivering. It saves that for a later date, so I have no problem with this whatsoever. Um, American Alpha went over, they advanced, presumably, well technically they did. Usos show respect afterwards, before finally, finally turning fucking heel. These guys have been doing the same stale shit for three years, and I like the Usos, that's the issue too. I like these guys, and it hurts me to see them just be so stagnant for so fucking long. And ever since they teamed up with Roman Reigns last year, doing the whole family garbage, no one has given a shit about these guys. Every single time they do the Uso thing and with the crowd, people always boo, and it's embarrassing. And it seemed like the only people who didn't really recognize that were the were, were WWE themselves. So thank God they finally went through with this. Uso's attack Chad Gable, injure his ankle. They're out of the tournament. American Alpha are out. They were supposed to meet the winner of the next match, the next semi-final match in the finals of the tournament, the pay-per-view. That is no more. I'll talk about them more in a second. Thanks to the Usos attack. So again, I thought this was way overdue. Better late than never. Uh, Really well executed. And I do got to share this too. I literally just saw this. The Usos tweeted I think out yesterday. They tweeted this out. They said, hashtag real turn. Now you can boo us all you want to. Hashtag we done with that. So that's what the Usos said on Twitter. It feels like even they knew that they were growing stale. And if it was up to them, maybe they would have gone heel months ago. I don't know. I feel like they're they, they were smart enough to know that they should have gone heel a long-ass time ago. I don't know why WWE waited, probably just to put Roman Reigns over more than he already was. Who fucking knows? But uh, the bottom line is that they're now heel, and the SmackDown tag team division, as a result, feels 10 times more relevant than it did even a week ago. So after that, we had Kane attacking Fandango, who gives a shit. Really, I don't understand what purpose it served. Who cares? Uh, the semifinal match, the second semifinal match of the night of uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship Tournament, we had Heath Slater and Rhino taking in the Hype Bros in a pretty good match. The Hype Bros are good. People like them, but you just you, you can't put them over Slater and Rhino. Slater and Rhino are a, a really good tandem, like I talked about last week here on the show, or two weeks ago. I forgot when it was, but just recently. These guys are money together. Um, they, they had some dark match segment, I think, after SmackDown went off the air with Heath Slater's quote-unquote family, it wasn't really his family, but it had, like, 12 kids in the ring, his redneck wife, and, like, all all these kids are all redheads, it's just, it was ridiculous, but, uh, it was funny, though, like, Slater's really good in the role, and whatever role they give him, and he thrives, and people really want to see him get a SmackDown contract, and Rhino is just kind of there to kind of feed off of him and be the, uh, kind of play that foil to his comedy and whatever. So I think they're a really good pairing. So I want to see them win the tag team titles on Sunday. I love the Usos going heel. I love American Alpha. Obviously, they're no longer in the tournament. But I think Slater and Rhino, they, they got to do it. They got to become tag team champions on Sunday. And then we get to the main event segment of the night. Ambrose and AJ Styles coming face to face. Solid segment. I'm very glad that AJ brought up the fact that Ambrose is just relying way too much on the cute comedy bits. That he's been doing, this has been an issue for a long ass time. Not just recently, not last week, not only last week when AJ was like hung up on the top rope after he got crotched on the top rope, not just that, not even on like this show when he was like, I don't know what the hell you would call it, when he was goofing around with the guy backstage at the uh, the water cooler, whatever it was. He has been doing this for, you could probably say he's been doing this for the past year. And I like Ambrose a lot, and I think he really has it in him to kind of you know, bring out that serious side and really kind of fulfill that full potential as a top guy, but because he relies too much on his comedy, he does not feel like a a real, credible WWE world champion. And it's a shame because the guy's really good. And I talked about this a while ago, but I feel like he won't become that certifiable main event level guy until he goes heel. And I don't know if that happens anytime soon, if not that it won't happen ever, they'd be stupid to never turn him. I know he's popular, but it's going to get to a point where he's going to grow so stagnant where people won't cheer him anymore, and they might rebel against him the same way they did Roman Reigns. For different reasons, but you know what I mean. And I feel like he's still over enough where they don't really have to turn him heel right now, but maybe on down, maybe later on down the line, who knows. Um, but I did think this was good, though. AJ had some really good mic work. He brought out that serious side out of Ambrose, if only for a few minutes, which was good. And then AJ low-blowed him to end the segment, which was a bit weird. I had no no issue with him low-blowing him, but for them to end the segment just on that note was strange. Like, I was expecting a Styles Clash or for him to hit the phenomenal forearm or something else, and that was it. But I can't really complain. AJ gets the last word, which makes me fearful that he's not winning on Sunday, but I hope I'm wrong. Um, Overall, though, I thought the show was good. I thought it, it was really successful in getting me pumped up for Backlash on Sunday. A lot of good matches, Miz and Cruz was well wrestled, the angle of the Usos was by far the highlight of the night, the women's stuff was really good, solid main event segment, the tag team stuff with the tag team tournament was alright, was uh, well done, and just my only real complaint was Kane and Fandango, that whole waste of a segment, but whatever that was, it didn't last long, so it's not a major gripe, so overall it was a really good show. Um, before we get to the backlash predictions, I'll go quickly through NXT and the Classic Cruiserweight Classic from Wednesday night. Both two really good shows. I thought NXT this week was infinitely better than it was last week. And I talked about it last week, that it was really kind of a boring hour of wrestling. You had Steve Cutler in action, Liv Morgan, a fucking... I couldn't even tell you what else we had. We had a Ty Delinger match against Buddy Murphy or something. Um, didn't Angelo Dawkins wrestle? I don't know. It was just a really weird show. And it was pretty boring for the most part. I thought this, rather, on the other hand, was a really, really good show. The opener, you had TM61 taking on Tony Nice and Arya Devari, if that's how you pronounce his name, in um, a really good match. They're both from the Cruiserweight Classic, so they had no real chemistry as a tag team, and I hope they're not brought in as a tag team, but for exposure for the Classic, I thought it was good. TM61 are a great tag team. I have no idea why they fed them to the authors of Pain a few weeks ago in Brooklyn if they planned on pushing them as a potential threat to the tag team titles. I'm not quite sure why. But uh, they had a good showing here. They won. So that's a step in the right direction. After that, we had Tom Phillips interviewing Asuka, the NXT Women's Champion, in a backstage segment. Really well done. It seems like Asuka's English has improved immensely over the past year where she's starting to get to the point where we can easily understand her or understand her a lot better than we could a year ago anyway. Uh, So a good segment, but it's just even more apparent after this that there's a huge fucking drop-off after Asuka in that NXT women's division. You have Asuka, and then who's left? I mean, you have Ember Moon, obviously. They're still building her up, and I'll get to her in a second. <clears throat> but you have Asuka, you have Ember Moon, who just arrived. And then you have Liv Morgan, uh, fucking Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, uh, Aliyah. Like, they don't really... Like, they have good wrestlers in that division, but none of them are established at all. So they need to work on that in the months ahead. I'm sure they will. After that, speaking of the devil, Ember Moon taking on Leah Vaughn, some enhancement girl. uh, All right, match, good showcase for Ember. That finisher never gets hold, that jumping corkscrew stunner, whatever the hell you want to call it. It was great. She executed to perfection. So, with the next TakeOver, which I forgot to talk about last week, TakeOver is emanating from Toronto this year, which is fucking amazing, by the way. The night before Survivor Series, which is really cool. I would not be surprised if TakeOver once again blows Survivor Series out of the water, but whatever. That's another uh, That's another rant for another day. But I thought, you know, if they're building that show up, and that's now for another two and a half months, they do have enough time to build up Ember Moon as a threat to that title. So if they want to go in that direction, they could. I don't know who else you can build up in that time to be a credible threat to Asuka. So I don't know. I would go with Ember Moon, I guess. Uh, unless they can bring in more women in that time. But yeah, so I guess they could do that match. And uh, Bobby Roode versus No Way Jose was announced for next week as well. You could do Bobby Roode versus Nakamura in Canada and save Joe Nakamura, too, for another special. But at the same time, and I talked about this on Hashtag Ask You Sound this past Monday, how big of a fucking joke it is that Nakamura, Joe, Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, all these guys that have been polished for years... Why are they still down in NXT? It's a joke. It really is a joke when you think about the fact that these guys have been in the business for a decade, decade and a half, a long-ass time, pretty much. For the for the better part of the 2000s, 2010s, they have been in the business, yet are still in the developmental territory of the WWE for whatever reason. They learn the style, Nakamura can speak good enough English, He's not a great talker, but he doesn't need he doesn't need to talk because the guy's wrestling talks for him. You know what I mean? He's the king of strong style. He doesn't need it he doesn't need a mic in his hand, regardless. Anyway, though, um, getting back to my original point, if they want to do Bobby Roode in No Way or not, well, I mean, they're doing Bobby Roode in No Way Jose next week. But if they want to do Bobby Roode and Nakamura in Canada, I'd be down for that just to get maybe Nakamura loses, he goes to the main roster. I need to see one of these four guys on the main roster before the end of the year, just because it really is a joke. They're still down in the NXT at this point. Speaking of Austin Aries, uh, he took an Andrade Cian Almas up next in a really good match. A match that RJ and I actually saw first at a NXT Lowell live event, the same show where Samoa Joe the belt, shockingly, back in April. They had a match on that show, and that was when I was first introduced to the former La Sombra. At that time, his name was Manny Andrade. Now it's Andrade Cian Almas. And one of the biggest takeaways for me from that from that show, was him, and how good he was, and I was really waiting, I was highly anticipating his debut on, the, on NXT, and he showed up, and just he just kind of fell flat, like he had a good debut match against Ty Dillinger, but Ty Dillinger was more over than he was, and then he faced Bobby Roode in Brooklyn, and Bobby Roode was infinitely more <coughs> was infinitely more over than he was, and I, just, I, I don't know what's not connecting, I don't know if people have already made up their minds on him, that he's just no good, and it's not that he's a bad wrestler, people just don't care, because, We don't know anything about him. I feel like, and this is what shocks me, because they bring in people from, to NXT, from the indie scene, and they give us a reason to care about them. But so far, we have been given zero reason to care about Andrade Cien Almas. If anything, we have several reasons to dislike the guy. You have his fucking fedora shit with the feather coming out of his hat. You have the suspenders. It it doesn't work. It just doesn't really work. So I don't know. Maybe they could turn him heel at some point. He's a great wrestler. You know, he's got an amazing move set. So I don't I just don't know what's not clicking with him. Like I said, maybe it's because his debut fell flat. And ever since then, people have really kind of set their minds on him. Just are kind of, set in their ways that they're not going to like almost or really warm up to him. I'm not exactly sure what needs to change, but something does need to change. Otherwise he's gonna be as big of a failure as Solomon Crow was, who was really good too. Um I just talked to him a few weeks ago. He's, he was you know, he had a lot of potential in NXT, but they fucking botched that because they never really gave us a reason to care about him and he also never won matches. And now Almas has now lost to Bobby Roode and Austin Aries, which was the right move considering that Aries has direction in that feud of hitty with Tommy and Almas doesn't, so Anyway, main event, we had Shinsuke Nakamura versus Steve Cutler. Um, so I guess they built up Steve Cutler for a week just to feed him to Nakamura, which I'm completely fine with. Because like I said last week, uh, I just there's nothing about Cutler that stands out to me in any meaningful manner at all. Nothing about this guy really stands out as being special. Uh, this was fine over in literally five minutes. Samoa Joe on commentary. They discovered, I think I talked about this last week or the week, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. That Samoa Joe, when they diagnosed him with the jaw injury, they found more injuries that went undiscovered or whatever. Obviously, in storyline, it's all a work. He probably did legitimately break his jaw, but they've ever, they have ever they they have since added on all these other injuries. So again, I don't know if they're going to do the rematch at TakeOver Toronto. I would hope they would, just because Joe should be on the main roster fucking yesterday. But get that over with. They could do it in NXT for all I care. I want to see the rematch. It's going to be a really good match, but I just desperately want to see... Both guys really on the main roster, but at least Joe. Joe should have been up there a year ago. It really is a joke why he's still down in NXT at this point. But regardless, overall, a really entertaining hour of wrestling. I thought um, the matches were pretty good and infinitely better, like I said, than last week. Um, So then we get to the Cruiserweight Classic from Wednesday. Not a lot to talk about here, but just two excellent matches. I can't really say much more than that. You had Zack Sabre Jr. versus Norm Dar in a quarterfinal match. Zack Sabre Jr. will face... Uh, who is he facing next week? I don't even really remember. I think he's facing... Fuck, I don't remember. I'll get. I'll think about it in a second. But uh, he won here in a really good match. I think Norm Dar has been signed already. So he should be debuting in the Raw Cruiserweight division. Not next week, but the week after. So in like 11, 10 days or so or whatever. Um, so anyway, good, really good match. TJ Perkins taking on Rich Swan in the main event. Another, another quarterfinal match. Really good match. Kind of incorporating that entertainment style. Not just a pure wrestling match, but... They have a great history with each other. So, Perkins won. Really good matchup. Swan looked great in defeat. Hopefully they can do something with him, find a spot for him on the roster. He's already signed. Um, I hope Perkins is signed, too. I heard he's going to be in the Raw Cruiserweight Division, too. But I heard I heard Rich Swan was already signed. Not that I heard that. I mean, he is already signed. He's been under a developmental contract for years now. He's really good. So, I hope they find a spot for him in the next in the near future. So, Perkins faces Kodai Abushi next week's semi-final match and then oh this is what it is. Zach Saber Jr. will face uh Grand Metallic, Metallic or however you pronounce it. He's facing him and then Perkins faces Ibushi in the semifinals and the winners of those two matches will go on to face each other in the finals that same episode next Wednesday. So uh that said I got obviously Sabre winning over Metallic, whatever, who has been pretty impressive. I did not think he would last nearly as long as he did in this tournament, but he's gone pretty far. Uh, then you got Perkins and Ibushi. obviously Ibushi. I said this from the get-go, the finals would be Z- uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and then fucking Ibushi, as it should be, they're the two biggest stars in the entire tournament, um, then I got Ayabushi winning, hopefully they sign him, because the guy's really good, I could see Zach winning, maybe if he signed, Ibushi didn't, I'm not exactly sure, but, um, it should be a kick-ass match, either way, so I have Ibushi winning the whole thing. And then to end off the hour here. We got Backlash predictions for Sunday again. Once again, I'm really looking forward to the show. I think they built up the episode, or rather the pay per view, really, really well over the past month, or in the matter of three weeks, really, three weeks since SummerSlam. They had zero turnaround time between SummerSlam and Backlash. So you got to commend this company. It's not the most stacked card in the history of this company, but you got a lot of couple matches, a lot of a lot of good matches, a couple of matches that really interest me. I'm um, a lot more than Clash of Champions in the moment. A lot of rematches from SummerSlam, it looks like. It seems like this show has no re- rematches from SummerSlam. A completely fresh card with the debut of new two new titles, so that's a plus. First match, the Usos versus the Hyperos, with the winners advancing to the finals of the tag team title tournament to face Heath Slater and Rhino later on in the night. You got to put the Usos over. They're now heels. Slater and Rhino are baby faces. I like the Hyperos, but the Usos got to win coming out their heel turn. The tag team title tournament finals Heath Slater and Rhino versus. The winner of that previous match, in my opinion, and, and I predict the Usos. Um, I got Slater and Rhino winning. I think they should win. Like I said, they're the hotter duo. I mean, the Usos just went heel, so they feel fresher than they have in at least three or four years. Um, but I gotta go Slater and Rhino. They're the hot ticket right now. People are really digging this act, and I feel like you can really stretch this out even longer with them as tag team champions. Kind of like a Team Hell No kind of thing. They're just that good. Um, I wouldn't be pissed if the Usos won, just because it would put the belts on them, and then you can have American Alpha chase them for the titles. But I feel like Usos and American Alpha can do their shtick without, you know, without the championships being at stake. And Chad Gable's injured; Jason Jordan isn't, so he can come out and cost him the win here. Cost the Usos the win? Who knows? But bottom line, I got Slater and Rhino winning the inaugural SmackDown Tag Team Champions. After that, for the Intercontinental Championship, The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. I could see them putting Ziggler over, but why? Why? I mean, he cuts good promos, but it's like rinse, wash, and repeat with this guy. He cuts great promos, he loses in an underwhelming match, and then no one fucking cares again. Like, he's been around for well over a decade. He's a great wrestler, but I gave up on him a long time ago. I mean, I think a lot of people did, too, because they just we have no real reason to think he's going to get above a certain level, that level where he deserves to be at. I mean, look at fucking SummerSlam. He got a WWE title match at SummerSlam against Ambrose. He lost. No heel turn from Ziggler. No heel turn from Ambrose. Nothing. Literally nothing. And they follow up with Ziggler going after the IC title instead, which is a step down from the World Championship. So, again, um, he's, uh, he cuts great promos, but the guy's got to go heel. A lot like the Usos. He's been faced for way too He's been stale since 2013. The guy's got to fucking turn. Really, ASAP. I don't think it happens on this show, but he's got to turn soon. Uh, That being said, The Miz is the infinitely more over guy at the moment. He's got all that momentum from the Talking Smack promo. They would be flushing that down the fucking toilet if he lost there. And as I've said time and time again over the past month, I feel like Miz should be the one to break the honky-tonk man's record as the longest reigning IC champion of all time, which is 454 days. And I found out yesterday he's got to hold that belt until July 3rd, until 2017. So we got 10 months of a Miz as IC champion, which I'm completely fine with because I think he can do it. Um. Anyway, so I got Miz retaining here. I, I would not surprise me Ziggler won, but he shouldn't, and I think Miz wins. For so to crown the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion, a six-pack challenge and elimination six-pack challenge, as Daniel Bryan specified on Raw. Becky Lynch, Natalia, Nikki Bella, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, and Naomi. I'm looking forward to the match. Like I said earlier, I think. Actually, I didn't say this earlier, but I said I was looking forward to the match. What I didn't say was that I think SmackDown at this point in time has the better booked women's division. Just because they give them the time, they have good matches. Not to say the, the women of Raw don't, but it's literally the same three women every single fucking week. It's Sasha, it's Bayley, it's Charlotte, and then Dana's just kind of there. Nia Jax is there, but she's squashing enhancement talent. Alicia Fox is getting beat up backstage by Nia Jax. Summer Rae is doing God knows what. Paige is on the verge of quitting, which I'll probably talk about for two seconds at the end. So, it's, it SmackDown has that over Raw any day of the week. The, the women's division, which we thought would be weaker when this brand split first started, has been anything but the case. Um, that SmackDown has been the weaker brand women-wise. I think it's been just amazing. Anyway, that being said, and the best part about this match, too, is that I could see any one of these women winning. I think Alexa could really benefit from it. Naomi deserves a title shot at some point, a title run at some point that she has not gotten in her six goddamn years with this company. I don't think it should happen Sunday, but I could see it happening. and I would not complain. Carmella just went heel. Maybe they put the belt in either her or Nikki to kind of continue along that feud. I hope not. Nikki's been there, done that. Like you know, just move on. Carmella, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be pissed with Natalia. Yeah, I feel like they missed the boat in that a couple of years ago. And Becky Lynch is the she's got to win. She's she's got to win. I mean, she's over no matter what. But I was talking to Tom yesterday, and he said that she's either got to be the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion. Or she's gotta win at WrestleMania. I feel like she's a lot like the Bailey of SmackDown, and that the story has to be right. She has been in chase mode for almost a year at this point, and she has yet to get a run with she has yet to get a run with the championship. Whereas Charlotte did, Sasha did, and pretty much everybody even Bailey got a title run in NXT, Becky Lynch never did. I think a lot of people forget that. Even though she was on the main roster before Bailey, she never got a title shot in NXT, main roster, whatever. She's the only four horse woman to have yet to hold a championship. I think that changes Sunday Becky Lynch the inaugural Smackdown Women's Champion. Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt another match I'm looking forward to first time ever. Ah, uh, the hard thing about this is that Orton got his ass handed to him at SummerSlam by Lesnar, but I feel like he's Randy Orton. People are still going to throw their arms up in the air regardless of whether he uh loses or wins or whatever. So Bray Wyatt's got to win if only to prolong the feud. So I got Wyatt winning. He could cheat whatever. As long as he wins, I don't give I don't give a fuck. He should win clean, but Whatever, as long as he wins. And then the main event, Ambrose and AJ. Um, I would say AJ's winning, but he should win. He's a lot more over. He's better than Ambrose on the mic in the ring as a character, developing his character, and I can just go on and on. Ambrose is good, but he's just not cutting the mustard as world champion at all. So but I think he retains like I said, he got the low blow on Tuesday, but I think he retains. I think he retains here. I think I'll go off on a limb and say he gets himself DQ'd. He just goes off the deep end or whatever. And he retains the title that way. And AJ stays in chase mode, which he, sh- he should be champion fucking yesterday, dude. Like this guy's so he's so good, he's so good. He should be champion by now, but uh, I don't think they should wait any longer. But if they wait until No Mercy, <laughs> whatever. As long as they get the belt on this guy, that's really all that matters. Preferably really sooner rather than later. I feel like you got to strike while the iron's hot with this guy, and it's very much hot right now with AJ Styles. But I feel like they'll probably have Ambrose retain to keep him in chase mode to keep AJ in chase mode until at least No Mercy. So that's Backlash on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. I think the whole show has potential to be very, very good. And I think it will deliver and being a great show come Sunday. So before we go off the air, just brief thoughts here. Paige potentially quitting. Um, a lot of rumors running rampant. And not even like the worst year of her WWE career. But you really got to think. I was thinking about this yesterday. By far the worst year probably of her wrestling career, period. I mean, she's been wrestling for like 10 years. She's like 23, 24, 20, 24, I think at this point. Um, so she, had, that's not saying a lot, but she's only been here since 2014 and, and on the main roster. But man, like you think of the year that this girl's had, she's been, she was gone from TV for a solid three or four months, pretty much for the first half of 2016, was off TV. And then she comes back for a cup of coffee, couldn't win the championship from Charlotte. Then she gets injured and then she gets heat reportedly for dating Alberto Del Rio. And then she gets suspended and he's assumingly on his way out, he has yet to leave, he's pretty much all but out the door at this point, he has yet to officially be released, which people are not recognizing, I'm, I'm saying he is reportedly leaving, which I've heard, but he's not officially gone yet, he's he's still there, he's, he's still there people, he's not gone yet, so it, you know, I, she's still under contract until early 2019, but they can let her go if they want to, um, if she's really that unhappy, maybe they'll let her go, maybe they'll grant her release, I don't really know, at this point, it's really a shame just because I feel like Paige peaked way too early in this company. And it's a shame. And you know, I've seen some people say that, you know, she came in at the wrong time. And it is absolutely true. And I thought her feud with AJ was really the turning point of the division. But it really wasn't. The feud went nowhere. The feud went fucking nowhere. No one cared. The matches weren't really all that good. They were given five minutes. The division was still a joke. And Paige, as soon as she lost that belt right back to AJ, and she had, what, a month to reign as, as Divas champion... People went back to, not, they didn't care about her, but she had nothing to do. She went, face, face heel, face, heel, face, heel, tweener, heel, face, like, she turned 20 different times to the point where people just stopped caring about her character, and we've already seen her with the belt twice, and she's only been here two years, so they really peaked with her way too early. I think, in retrospect, as great of a debut as she had the night at the WrestleMania and winning the title from AJ, which I talked about, there's a whole clip on here on the show, on the channel, about how... I thought the debut was amazing. It was amazingly booked. But in retrospect, two and a half years later, as great of a moment as that was, it did nothing to help Paige. Like that whole, you know, I'm gonna work my way up the ladder and eventually get that title shot, that was gone. That was six months to a year of her of her career gone. Like imagine if Becky won the belt as soon as she got up, she'd probably be stale as fuck right now just because you wouldn't have that chase. And you don't have that with Paige because she's already held the belt twice. And I f- it's a shame, because she could really fit in with the woman of Raw right now, Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, all those girls. But this whole situation with Del Rio and the injury, she's not coming back anytime soon, anytime soon. She's still hurt anyway, so even if she was... She's still suspended until like the 17th, I think, but she's got a lot of heat on her right now. Um, now I'm not going to say I hope she doesn't leave, not to say I hope she does leave, but... If she's not happy there, then just let her fucking go. Because you know what? She's already been a two-time champion. She's already done, really, they're all there is to do. Other than becoming a Raw Women's Champion. Um, so, I mean, if she's not happy there, just let her go. So anyway, that is WrestleRate Radio for this week, guys, for September 8th, 2016. Like I said, enjoy Backlash on Sunday. Should be a great show. We'll be back here on the show next week. Uh, Clash of Champions is not next Sunday, but it is, I think, the Sunday after that. So next Thursday show will be primarily an addition of the reviews of... Fucking, of course, you know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT per usual. It'll also feature a review of Backlash and also the review of the Cruiserweight Classic finale from next Wednesday. We got, once again, Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, Gran Metalik. I think I said El Metalik. That was my bad. I meant to say Gran Metalik. And then Kodai Ibushi versus TJ Perkins, which would also be amazing. So I look forward to that. Lucha Underground is fucking back, people. So watch that every Wednesday on the L Ray Network I might start reviewing that in the future. Uh, The season finale, the season premiere, rather, this week was really fun, so check that out when you have the chance, when you can find it online. If you have the All Right Network, most people don't. I'm sure there's other websites you can find it at, or at least check out the highlights on their YouTube channel. Really good show. Um, All in all, though, just a lot of reasons to be excited about the world of wrestling going forward. Like I said, Backlash on Sunday. We got UFC 203 on Saturday with Punk's Fight, which I talked about at the start of the show we got Clash of Champions coming up and all this other cool shit on the Go to Hell Tour. En route to Hell in a Cell in Boston here in two months, month and a half, whatever the hell it is. So that should be a lot of fun too. Um, so anyway, guys, as always, thank you for supporting the show. Be sure to find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook too. Give the podcast a thumbs up at facebook.com Matthews. And right here on the website, be sure to check out the website every single day for daily content. Raw Reviews, SmackDown Live Reviews, NXT Reviews, Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, Teen Impact Wrestling. We got or Decay tonight, Part 2, or Final Deletion Part 2, whatever you want to call it, is on tonight. Looking forward to that. So, like I said, really exciting time to be a wrestling fan right now. We'll be at Chaotic Wrestling tomorrow night with Rhino, Rob Van Dam, Tommy Dreamer, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Austin Aries. The list goes on and on and on. It uh, should be a really fun night, so we'll look forward to that, too, and I'll give a full report of that show come next Thursday's Rant Radio. So until then, guys, I'm Graham G. Matthews. Enjoy Backlash on Sunday, UFC 203 on Saturday. Have an amazing weekend, and I'll catch you folks down the road.